Imagine starting your next race. You're strong, confident, and ready to tackle the race course and distance ahead of you. You have the training, the fitness, and the endurance to absolutely smash this race and crush your goals. Is that something you want? Is that something you want to feel on race morning? Well, you can have it, and it's without the personalized programming and communication from a coach. Elevate Your Running beginner and intermediate training plans are now available in the base, 5K, 10K, half, and marathon distances on elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. It's under the work with us tab. These plans are constructed with the Elevate coaching philosophy and the proven workouts past athletes have used to achieve results while running strong, happy, and confident. Each plan contains a downloadable run terminology guide, a nutrition and fueling guide, suggested strength training exercises via the YouTube channel, the Elevate Your Running YouTube channel, and a race day planner sheet. It's the pro coaching you want for less than a 12-pack of your favorite running gels. What a deal. You can download your training plan now at elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. Now, for this week's episode, Austin and I are back together to talk all about tempo running. It leads to conversation around lactic acid, not lactose, (laughs) and all about marathon training. We really hope that you enjoy this episode. We appreciate each and every single one of you. Hello and welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today we are talking all about the tempo run and why it benefits your training. I'm really excited for this conversation. I know Austin is too. Um, We both have quite a bit of experience in tempo land recently, so we thought it'd be a great conversation to have. This is episode 89. We're creeping up on episode 100. Uh, it'll be here before we know it. So Austin, how are you? And we get to also plan a really cool episode 100 for the audience. Yeah, I'm doing (laughs) great. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm, I'm so happy with the fact that we are 89 episodes deep into this podcast and just the way things are trending. Um, I know that we are enjoying this just as much as we did, if not more than when we first started it with episode number one. Um, I guess like a year and a half ago, a year and almost two years ago. Um, and just, just so happy with where we're at now and really excited for this week's episode. You and I have already been discussing the topic for about 30 minutes before even hitting record, um, because it's just really meeting us where we're at right now, uh, in a marathon training cycle doing, you know, one or two tempo runs every single week and really thinking about what these paces mean, what the efforts mean uh, in the context of our goals. And we know that we are not alone in doing that. So we want to break down some of these concepts for our listeners today and really just better understand how we can use tempo running to become better runners and achieve our goals no matter the distance. Absolutely. It's going to be an awesome, awesome convo. 
Um, before we get started, because we're both here this week, let's give some elevated moments. Austin, I'd love for you to share yours um, and what's been happening. Yeah, uh, I am, I guess, about four weeks, almost exactly a month out from the Indianapolis Marathon. Two reasons I'm excited for this race, Sarah. Number one, I'm just very ready to race. I am <laughs> at that point of training where it's like, all right, let's let's taper and let's just get to race day. But also, That's... I'm excited that you'll be there to run the half marathon and we are going yeah. to do an in-person episode. Um, so that's something yeah. that I'm really excited for because it's been a while since we've done that. Yeah. But uh, in the context of my elevated moment for the week and that training cycle, uh, I had a great long run with Tempo uh, this past weekend. So uh, 18 total miles, and then it was a broken up Tempo with five miles, three miles, and one mile to finish. Uh, with a one mile recovery between each rep. And that was, you know, one of the first times during this training cycle that I can truly say I saw a measurable improvement in my fitness from a few months ago when I really began training for this marathon. Uh, and it really just got me thinking about what the possibilities are in, in, in Indianapolis, what I need to do the next few weeks to uh, make sure that I'm ready and not only physically ready, but also mentally uh, ready and confident. And uh, it was just really kind of like that that standard establishing workout that I, I think we all look for in a prep. And it, it's one of those workouts too that's like you no longer really dread the workout days. Like I go through, <laughs> you know, periods of a training cycle like this one and I'm like, oh man, I, I don't want to do this workout today because I know how hard it's going to be. Well, now I feel like, you know, the the switch has almost been flipped where it's like, I want to do these workouts because I want to be better informed on where I'm at um, and what that means for the race that's coming up in just a few weeks. So that was definitely an elevated moment for me, one that I was kind of searching for and I was happy that I found at this point of the prep. And it just has me looking forward to the next few weeks. Yeah, I absolutely love that because I feel like uh, we're five weeks out, right? Five weeks? Like, yeah, it's such like a yeah, it's like such a sweet spot to be like feeling the training and feeling strong and feeling fit and going into workouts more excited than nervous because you have the confidence and you're building the confidence that you're you're going to do it and you're going to crush it. Mm -hmm. And it's where I was last year for the Chicago Marathon. It's where a lot of Elevate athletes are finding themselves going into their a goal race this fall and everyone's been crushing it. So it's a great place to be. I think as long as, uh, as long as the weather holds out and, you know, we have a good day, um, on the weather scene, we both should hopefully have, you know, strong days. It'll be more exciting for you. Cause my half is just a tune up. <laughs> this is like the, the big dance for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be the big dance, but I know for you that you've got a big goal that you're chasing. So I'm looking forward yeah. to, yeah. to seeing you have the opportunity for that. What is your elevated moment for the week, Sarah? Yeah. Um, gosh, so many great things have happened. Um, we'll probably get into more detail on this in the episode, but I had uh, a fantastic tempo run myself <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> and actually this topic was something that's been on my list. It's been on my list for months and we just haven't found like a good week or a good place to have it and to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. 
And it feels so great that like we created this conversation or we created this episode uh, guideline and we talked about what we were going to talk about this week. Like last week, I knew I had tempo. I didn't know that you had tempo. And then we both had very strong tempos. Um, so mm-hmm. it just kind of all aligns into this combo. But I had a really, really strong six-mile tempo. And it's interesting because I am such a rule follower when it comes to my training. So Nell gives me six miles. It's six miles. I didn't even think about going to the 10K distance because that's just not something I do. I just like follow the plan and it is what it is. And then I felt like the first, you know, mile, mile and a half was actually very difficult to get into. And I hope people who are listening also like feel seen and heard in this moment. Cause I think when you're training really hard, getting into that faster, like half marathon pace, tempo pace, which we'll talk about what that means and what that feels like and all that stuff later. Like it's different than marathon pace. It's tough when you have tired legs and I am on marathon training mileage on half marathon training right now. It's like this weird combo because I have all these races coming up. So the first like mile and a half was very difficult to get into. And then everything clicked and it was like, I just felt so strong. I felt smooth. I felt fast and it was incredible. And looking back on the tempo, I averaged 645 pace for the six miles. And I was about, you know, if I had gone to that 10 K mark, I would have been, you know, seconds off a PR. And this is in a training run just in Boulder. And I think, and know as a coach, like the coaching side comes in, when you see PRs happen in training with athletes, it's a 5K PR, 10K PR, and it's in a training run, that usually symbolizes like, you know, a really big training cycle in a really big race days. And there should be a lot to celebrate at the end of this cycle. Um, so that was really, really exciting to kind of just see where everything fell. And the second part of my elevated moment is that we had the first, um, we had the first major marathon this last weekend. We had Berlin Marathon and some Elevate athletes were over there running for fun, running for a major, running to get another star. And then we also had an athlete who I'm hoping can come on the podcast. Um, she's still over there on vacation, so I haven't been able to talk to her too much, but um, hopefully at some point we can connect when she's back. And actually, I know we'll connect when she's back, but um, she has an incredible story of being injured last year with this very heavy injury and flowing through it, creating fitness, creating strength. We started uh, marathon training 16 weeks ago and she freaking crushed it. She had a breakthrough season and I think it's really inspiring to see and hear someone's story who's going through the lowest of the low as an athlete where you're injured, you can't run. And you come through the other side and you run an eight minute PR, a 10 minute BQ. And it was her first BQ in Berlin. And it's like overseas. There's a lot of things that go on when you're traveling overseas for a marathon. And she just crushed it. And 
Um, I really hope that we can talk with her <laughs> more. Um, one of my favorite stories that her husband shared, and then we can quickly, then we can get into the episode. I just want to share this quickly. Um, or I think actually Danielle, her name is Danielle. She shared it with me through WhatsApp and she's like, I was coming through the 30 K mark and I thought I'd have enough time to ask Danny, her husband, who's like handing her bottles. Like if Kipchoge got the world record and to text you that I was going to be Q, but I only got one of those out and it was if Kipchoge got the world record. <laughs> And I'm like, well, one, they have video of this. It's amazing. She's like flying through and she's like, did Kipchoge do it? Like, She's just running through it. So fun. And, um, and it was a lot of fun because Berlin has a great app and I was able to track her. And yes, I am that coach when, you know, I'm, I'm a very all in type of coach when athletes are. And I was up at 345 on Sunday morning checking to see how she was running. Cause she started, I think around one forty Denver time, um, or Colorado time, Boulder time. So that she was about two hours in when I checked just to see, um, how she was doing where she was on pace. And I knew if she was hovering around the pace that we had talked about that she would do it and she did it. So it was great to see and hear it. And communicate with her via WhatsApp, um, on Sunday and just hear all the vibes and good energy and the excitement around it. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome story to hear. And it's not the only one that, that I saw, um, from Berlin. If you, if you remember as listeners and then Sarah, I know you already know what I'm talking about. Episode 59 of the podcast, we had Matt Carl on, uh, who is on Instagram under Maddie K runs and I mean he went through almost a month I think of just not being able to run he was dealing with an injury and I will say like he was so smart in approaching it he didn't try to force his way through his training he was cycling on the peloton every day Mm -hmm. in place of his runs and just that that like ability to you know stick with the revised plan in the face of an injury uh, mm-hmm. He got back to running shortly before the race. He traveled across, overseas to Berlin, and then he PR'd the marathon by like two and a half minutes, running like mm-hmm. a two fifty six, um, somewhere in that range. And it's just like it blew me away to see that result because it's, you know you can go into a race like that and say, well, at least we are at the start line healthy, and that's certainly like the number one thing. Yeah. We just all want to get to the start line healthy and be able to run those twenty six point two miles. But then to take that and say, okay, but now I'm going to run my heart out. And to run something like a PR, like a Boston mm-hmm. qualifying time in the face of that adversity, I mean, it's incredible to witness. And, and for me, being in a training cycle where I've been fortunate enough to remain healthy and be able to train on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, like it just puts the struggles that I feel like I've been dealing with in context to say that, like, why can't I do it too? It's very inspiring. And Shout out to both of those runners because that was awesome to witness this past weekend. Yeah, thank you for bringing up the Maddie K story because you're right. The poor, I felt so bad for him and he made it such a win and he did everything he could do to set himself up for success. I mean, I feel like one, we should probably have him back on the podcast to share his yeah, story. I think so. And two, I do want to ask him, I felt like he cut his like Berlin, like when he left for Berlin a little close, like he left he on did, Thursday. right? <laughs> yeah. I thought the same thing too. I'm like, man, no time change, like acclimatization there. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk to him about that. And I know he's young and stuff. So like that makes a difference, but 
I want to like, I want to talk to him about that. And if he felt like, if he did kind of feel off by that, but I think like any PR is an awesome PR, like any like strong race and finishing a race is awesome. But it's also like, I think so inspiring to see like a two and a half minute PR is like, how many seconds is that? Like five seconds per mile, six seconds per mile. And when you're running 26.2 miles and you're running five or six seconds faster than you did a year ago in Chicago, like, and you're coming through injury, like that's a huge PR. That is huge. I mean, that just shows what kind of shape he was in before he got injured. And I think it's a huge like win in terms of how consistent he's been as a runner since the start of the Mm -hmm. pandemic. There's so many times where I see athletes, like they just want to train for a cycle and I get that. And then they like stop running and then they pick it up again and then they stop running and they're not able to build that fitness and to build their aerobic engine and to build that foundation. They're like building maybe a small or a weaker foundation and then they stop. And then they have to kind of move two steps back before they can move three steps forward when they get back to training again. And I think one of the best things that Maddie Kay did for himself over the last three years is just stay super consistent with running, stay running. He was running high mileage this summer, higher mileage this summer. He was training speed. He ran, he ran a half this spring. So he definitely set himself up for success in that sort of way. too. So hopefully we can have both Danielle and Maddie Kay on, on separate episodes and hear their stories. Two very different stories, two stories that have injury and two stories that have inspiration and, you know, PRs and BQs. It's a great place to be. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with exactly what I want to say, you know, from what I've seen from, from Matt's training is like when we had him on the podcast, it was last spring and he was training for, I believe, like the New York City Half Marathon, yeah. um, whatever the official name of that one is. But he was, I mean, he was really just from the outside looking in. And from what we heard from as well, like really settled into his training, having amazing training. And I think that the setback that he faced was just like supported by the amount of training that he had done in the previous months and years and how that can compound. And it does not just disappear. I think yeah. that when we struggle and we when we kind of hit those low points, we just assume that everything that we previously did was, you know, for nothing. But at the end of the day, it does compound, it does benefit you. And that is really a good transitioning point into today's episode topic, which is tempo running, because it's such a staple in a good, you know, training cycle or just a good, consistent training regimen if you want to continue progressing as an athlete and also if you want to better understand where you're at as an athlete and how you can you know train more effectively more efficiently um, in a smarter way because I know that for me I've learned the most uh, as a coach and as an athlete when I've put myself in those situations on a consistent basis and when I've really considered like what are the workouts I'm doing why am I doing these workouts and how are they going to benefit me and make me a better runner. And that's what we want to dive into today with our discussion on tempo running. Um, Sarah, you know, I think it's probably a great jumping off point for you here to just like open up the understanding of what tempo running is. Cause that was a question that I had for you 
before we began uh, recording today was like, you know, we hear these terms, we hear speed work, we hear tempo running, we hear lactate threshold, we see track workouts. Like, how do all of these things kind of come together into, um, you know, what we know as effective training? Yeah, it's really confusing, first and foremost. And then once you hear an explanation of like really what it is, I think it can become very clear. But one of the biggest things I see as a coach and as an athlete um, is is people confusing tempo for other things or they don't realize why their tempo pace is a certain pace. Um, so there is so much to cover with the tempo run. So let's start with the different types of tempo run. Well, actually, let's back up. Tempo running is basically a comfortably hard effort. And that effort is going to be different for every single athlete, depending on what they're training and how they're training. It's going to depend on the weather. It's going to depend on altitude. It's going to depend on how hydrated or dehydrated you are. It's going to depend on your sleep the night before. And it really does depend on how you're kind of showing up for that workout. They are longer interval workouts. So they can be two, three, four miles. It's something that you don't necessarily want that type of workout or a tempo run to go over an hour. Um, Rule of thumb is that the tempo pace should be something that you can hold for up to an hour. But I haven't actually seen that in... A workout ever as a coach or as an athlete like the longest or furthest I've seen tempo it's like usually 40 minutes in training is like the max that you want to do and I've had more experience with tempo running over the last 15 months working with um, my coach now now and it's incredible it makes such a huge difference um On Saturday, I had a six-mile tempo, and it came in right at, like, 40 minutes and 27 seconds, and that was, like, you know, probably the furthest you would want to go in a tempo style if you're doing it um, just by minutes with the 40 minutes. So tempo runs are long, long, long um, interval sets, and it can be your one-hour race pace, which is really exciting. What does that look like on the RPE scale? That can look like seven out of 10 on the RPE scale. It can kind of resemble your 10K pace effort, something like that. But also like Austin and I were talking before the podcast, like we were talking about specific like tempo and lactate threshold, which we'll get into here, um, paces. And it's like, it's just so different. So just understand that it's just so different based on each training cycle, how you're showing up, the weather, all those things. And that's going to make a huge impact on what Uh, tempo pace is for you but no if you can run on effort effort is queen that's what I always say I've been running on effort all summer long Austin I know you've had quite a few workouts that have that have just gone straight into effort because it's just like this isn't happening today and now we're starting to feel the gains of all those effort style runs um the difference between tempo and like let's say track workouts Track workouts, typically when I think of track workouts, I think of 200s, 400s, 600s, maybe a mile, right? So the mile distance on a track could be considered tempo intervals, which are tempo style workouts with 
small breaks in between each set. And then anything under a mile is really more considered actual top end speed work. It could be VO2 max work, depending on mm-hmm. how fast and how far you're running. Um, but that's going to be the difference. So track, I always think a little bit shorter and tempo, I think longer and more sustainable, something that you can hold for a longer period of time. Yeah. Well, we, we were defining kind of before the episode, like what exactly it means to say lactate threshold training and, um, you know, running at that lactate threshold effort. Um, when I think about, you know, the difference between a sustained effort, like you were talking about, Sarah, holding, you know, a certain pace in that range from, you know, two to four miles, whatever it may be, up to like that upper end of maybe 40 minutes, um, as opposed to something like a track workout, like the recoveries that you are getting more consistently in a track workout allow you to kind of leverage that balance between, you know, lactate threshold training or going a little bit faster than your lactate threshold pace because you're able to flush that lactate a little bit better during those recovery times and then get back into the effort as opposed to when you're consistently holding that pace, you're not allowing your body to recover. So you have to run more efficiently. You have to be, um, you know, in that range of where your body is at. And I think that that's been the biggest learning point for me in this training cycle. You're, you were talking about running on effort. <laughs> I've had to do it more than I've wanted to. And, and what we mean by that is, you know, you have these paces that you're prescribed, especially if you're working with a coach, you'll probably have paces that are prescribed based on previous data, based on the knowledge that the coach has of you as an athlete and your goals. And I've had so many workouts, you know, training this summer in the heat of Texas, the humidity, um, you know, just conditions that are not favorable for, you know, top end performance, which is what I kind of would have needed to hit some of these paces, especially earlier on in this training cycle. And I've just found myself out there during a workout, like I can't hit this pace. And it's amazing how much you can get in your head when you consider effort, because it, it was like, I had to, you know, kind of convince myself, like, you are either working way too hard to fight to hit this pace, or you can like settle back into what you know, this should feel like, like, it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be easy, it shouldn't be comfortable. But it also shouldn't kill you (laughs) to work down, you know, to these paces, you were talking about an RPE scale, like that's a really great way to look at it rate of perceived exertion. And your ability to rate your level of exertion um, becomes more finely tuned the more and more you train, the more and more experience that you have. And that's something that I've tried to lean into more and more during this current training cycle that I'm in is like, you've been here before, you know, generally what this is supposed to feel like. And I think that's why this past Sunday's workout was such a win for me. Mm-hmm. because in one of my, you know, one of my intervals, I was actually overrunning the pace, but I was for the first time in this training cycle, I was overrunning a pace, <laughs> but I could truly say that the rate of perceived exertion was where it was supposed to be, yeah. which is why I allowed myself to overrun that pace. Cause I'm like, no, mm-hmm. today's your day to feel strong, to feel fast at this pace. And you haven't been able to do that this entire training cycle. But because you've done what you've needed to do, you haven't killed yourself in training. You've you've kind of fallen back onto 
that level of exertion, what you know this should feel like, then now you can kind of reap that benefit and hopefully moving forward with hopefully some more, you know, favorable weather conditions in the next few weeks at peak time of this training cycle, I can continue to do that and I can see the paces come through um, as I've wanted them to throughout the entire cycle. Absolutely. Running on effort is like so, so, so key, especially if you are just having an off day or my entire summer was basically run off of effort. Like I had very few workouts that felt good this summer. And oftentimes I was running, like I was executing paces that were written, but they weren't like my true fitness potential, if that makes sense. Like Nell really dialed it back because she knew I was just like, I just can't run well in this in the heat and how much I just I just get so hot and my heart rate spikes and when your heart rate spikes in the summer it doesn't recover as fast which means you need more recovery between intervals and if you can't get that recovery you're going into the next rep already like depleted so there's not a whole lot extra to give um so it's really, really important where if you are in a season of run, needing and run, wanting to run on effort, do that because at some point you'll reap the benefits. And I felt the same way on Saturday. It's like I, I ran very, very strong for the last three miles, but it felt like half marathon pace or it felt like tempo pace or like 10K pace, right? And that just felt so good to be in a place where I looked down at my watch and I was like, holy crap, I had no idea I was running that fast. It just felt so good. And it made me just really excited for the rest of um, race season as I get into it here in a few weeks. Um, But there are different types of tempo runs. And I think that's really important to note too, because oftentimes I'll see or hear from other, like specifically girls I train with, like, why is my tempo at you know, this certain pace or whatever, there are different types of tempo runs. So if you're working with a coach or you're working with a plan online, it might say tempo run and you're practicing and training for a marathon, which means it could be marathon tempo, which is your marathon pace. So marathon tempo equals marathon pace. So if you're shooting like Austin shooting for a 249.58 or faster, right? Maybe he'll take the 59. Um, I'll take the 59. Yeah, I I'll believe I'll take the 59. 59.9, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I get that so much. <laughs> and, you know, he's striving for like a 628 per mile, which is going to give him enough of a buffer to have like if the tangents, you know, Indy doesn't have too many turns. I think it's a pretty good um course to run tangent strong but you kind of want to give yourself a few seconds per mile there just to kind of help with that you know maybe it's a 26.3 or 4 that comes mm-hmm. through your watch um so his marathon pace tempo right now is 628 cuz that's his marathon pace that he's targeting and my marathon pace is like totally different or my marathon tempo is totally different based on what I'm trying to produce at CIM so there's that. And then you have the half marathon tempo, which is six out of 10 on the RPE scale. Um, it's your half marathon pace. So if you're half marathon training right now, like I am, my tempo on Saturday was supposed to be 652 average. And it just, you know, 
when you're running on effort, you can kind of play around with it a little bit, but just know that sometimes workouts are going to be listed as half marathon tempo, which is half marathon pace. Um, and then you have that true tempo, which is seven out of 10. It's more like 10 K effort. It's going to feel comfortably hard, not totally all out rule of thumb with the tempo run is that you really want to have five, maybe 10 more minutes to give when you finish. And if you can say that you did that, you have ultimately done your job in the tempo run. It's a very fine balance of pace or effort, which really want to talk more about effort because the pace is so like hit or miss kind of depending on the situation that you're in for that day. You really do want to be bumping up right against that lactate threshold mark. And that is something that um, if you can do and if you can do it successfully is going to give you the most training deposit out of your tempo run because you're bumping up right against where your body's producing lactate acid and you are still producing a slight bit, but your body's clearing it out, which is ultimately making you the stronger athlete and the stronger runner. If you're running tempo too slow, there's benefits to it, but it's not what the true tempo effort benefit is. Um, You're not getting the true tempo benefit out of it. Um, You can also take a look at your heart rate. So that's another way to kind of take a look at tempo. If you know your true heart rate zones, and this is going to be different for everyone too, we had Elizabeth Scott on the podcast um, earlier this spring, and she talked all about heart rate training. I know she's offering a heart rate masterclass too right now. So if that's something you want to learn more about, definitely lean into her resources and what she can provide with heart rate training. Once you find your max heart rate, you can use 85 to 90% of your max heart rate is going to get you into your tempo zone, right? So my heart rate on Saturday Now, this is a little hit or miss because (laughs) midway through the run, I got like, I just wanted to get rid of everything on my body, which sounds so strange, but I like ripped off my heart rate strap. I dropped my, like dumped my bottle, dumped my gels, and I just wanted to like run and like go back to the basics of like, let's just knock out the next three miles and like get this done in like a really like basic like maybe it's like circa 2001 type of running when we weren't like so like oh what does my watch say what does my heart rate say i need a bottle of my scratch like all this stuff so i threw the heart rate strap off so i don't know what my true heart rate was at the end but my watch showed that it was like at 172 i think and typically my watch is like a little bit higher than my heart rate strap So I feel like I was maybe bumping up against 85% of my max heart rate um, towards the end of that tempo run, but they are super beneficial. So if you do know your heart rate zones, you can calculate where kind of your tempo pace lies within that 85 to 90% of your max heart rate too. So um, it's a fun place to be for sure. If you want to take a look at any of those ways to kind of figure out your tempo effort, true pace or heart rate. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for people who might not really understand what the effort is supposed to Mm -hmm. feel like yet, you know, to discover that you have to get really good at asking the right questions, considering 
you know, the things that we've discussed today, like your lactate threshold pace, you know, is something that you could probably run for 60 minutes. So you need to ask in these workouts, if you're running on effort, you need to be able to ask that question in that moment. Could I hold this pace for 60 minutes? Sarah, you were mentioning like when you get done with the tempo, you should really, you know, be able to say like, I could have gone another five to 10 minutes. You need to be able to, to ask that question to yourself and to be able to answer in an honest way. And by asking the right questions, you can then, you know, find that effort and that knowledge and understanding of what that effort feels like. It then builds over the course of a training cycle and then into the next training cycle. Um, well, I mean, into the next training cycle, we were talking about this before we recorded too, though, Sarah, like the amount of factors that play into it also, um, we set expectations for ourselves and then we get into it. And if we're not meeting those expectations specifically, like the expectations of what paces we feel like we should now be able to hit because we've set a new goal. And by setting this, you know, new marathon PR goal, we believe we should be able to run lactate threshold workouts at a specific pace. But the hard lesson that I learned in coming into this training cycle was you have to get your body to adapt to mm-hmm. faster running for extended durations of time. And that adaptation is one of the most humbling aspects of running because you truly have to find the effort that's right and not the pace that's right. And adaptation is truly the key of what we're talking about here. And we're talking about bumping up against that point where your body is, you know, accumulating just enough lactose to then be able to, um, to flush it, but not too much. Like that's a matter of adaptation. You are putting your body in a position where it's getting to practice this as opposed to, you know, pushing the gas pedal all the way down and then, you know, just burning out every single workout. You have to be able to push it down with just enough pressure that over time, the same amount of pressure is yielding better results. Absolutely. The lactate, lactate threshold, I think, you know, we've, maybe we've been there, maybe we haven't been there. I feel like it's that burning sensation in your muscles, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of know when you're there, you kind of know when you're on the edge of it, the more you run, the more that you know about yourself and just more about like paces, right? To some extent. So when, you know, tempos are run at or near your lactate threshold. So it's producing the max amount of lactate that your body can clear while you're running tempo pace. And then when you cross that line into lactate threshold line and your body's producing too much lactate and you can't clear it, that's when things start to go sideways in a workout. That's when you feel like you've maxed out. That feels like you can't recover. It feels like you're done, especially at altitude. It's like you're done. <laughs> when you hit, hit that point, it's like easy jogging just feels awful afterwards. So it's the byproduct that builds up in your muscles and in your bloodstream. So the more that you work right against that threshold mark or right against that line, the more you're able to produce and clear, which means the more you're able to run, the more maybe faster you're able to run. I can say a year and a half ago, I couldn't even run three miles at like 655 pace or 
very close to seven without like feeling like this was way too hard and I can't do this anymore. And now I'm at double that distance running faster and stronger and feeling so much better. And it's because over the last 15 months of really working and honing in on tempos and I have tempos like every other week, I think it's a really great place to be. It really does build that endurance strength that you need when you're in the half and when you're in the marathon and endurance strength is that like that ability to run fast to run comfortably hard for 90 minutes for an hour and 45 minutes for 80 minutes whatever that is maybe it's the marathon at you know 249.58 whatever it is yeah and and that was one of the things we discussed as well, Sarah, is is I had the question and it was it was very much in my own interest to ask this question to you, which was like, how much faster should that, you know, lactate threshold pace be than marathon pace? Because I did a lot of reflecting both during my workout on Sunday and, you know, after it. And I was kind of like, well, if if that was you know, this effort and was at like about that lactate threshold pace, what does this mean for where I'm potentially at uh, in terms of my goal for the marathon? And I, you know, I've always believed this, like we get to a point in a training cycle where we just become like overwhelmingly curious. And I think I'm definitely at that point where I'm like, man, what am I going to be able to do? Like, can I hit my goal or can I not? And it's not even a matter of like, oh, I'm going to be so frustrated if I don't. It's like, I'm genuinely curious. Like, what has the work that we've done over the past few months led to? Um, And you don't get, you don't get to know until race day. And you hope that you can get, you know, the most accurate result of your full potential on race day. And there's so many factors that go into discovering that result. But that was my question for you. And I'd love for you. I, I think the way that you expanded on it and kind of put it on a relative scale for me, was was really impactful so i'd love for you to kind of do that as well and just explaining like you know depending on potentially what your goal time is in the marathon or what level of runner you are at that can help you to better understand where your lactate threshold pace is in consideration of your marathon pace because if you're running you know a marathon in two and a half hours your lactate threshold pace can you know, only be so much faster than your marathon pace because that marathon pace is already so fast. So can you expand on that a little bit in the same way that you were explaining it to me? Yeah, I feel like, and please jump in and tell me if I'm like not, yeah. if I'm missing something here. Um, I feel like with elites, like we saw Kipchoge just absolutely crush Berlin, right? Um, I see elites in Boulder every day. I basically almost ran into one today. I like took this like hard left and I was like oh my gosh and there was like two guys running like super fast tempo I knew one of them which was uh which was awesome but I'm like just wild um when you're elite it's a little bit easier or at least my coach explained it to me this way like it's a little bit easier to bump up against that like that mark that you know you can hold for the marathon distance right Mm -hmm. So for elites who are running like a 202 or a 220, like your marathon pace is already so fast that like you don't have a lot of room to work when it comes to lactate threshold, right? 
So for a marathoner who's running like a 222 marathon, their mile time might be like a 445 or a 440, something like that. So there's not a whole lot of pendulum swinging between like a fast mile and marathon pace. So lactate threshold probably falls somewhere between that like smaller window of uh, of pacing where someone like you and I, Austin, or even, you know, just like the average, I call it like a, a pro amateur runner, <laughs> pro amateurs over here. Um, you know, our marathon pace and our mile pace is wildly different or it should be different. It, there should be a bigger swing in that. And, um, what did Megan Featherston run? Uh, for her mile for the fifth half, it was like 524 like, or 520. Yeah, it was some, it was right? somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, it was like low fives for sure. Mm-hmm. In the and then she just busted out a 249 at Berlin, which is like mm-hmm. a 628 average, right? So she has a little bit yeah. more of that pendulum swing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the faster you are, the closer you are to kind of that. Um, that marathon pace, half marathon pace, um, tempo, lactate threshold, obviously the better you can get that, like the wider range you can have for that, the better, but also know that sometimes with elites, it's like, they're just so fast that they don't have a lot of room to work with when it comes to that. Um, but for you and I, Austin, it's a little bit different. There's a little bit more to give. It is more of, um, looking at marathon pace at five out of 10 on the RPE scale, rate of perceived exertion, half yeah. marathon is at six, tempo is at seven, threshold is right there, maybe at the end of your tempo or a few minutes after, something like that. Yeah, and another thing you said that really hit home with me was yeah. like, you mentioned, you know, at some point, marathon pace has to feel decently easy. Like it has yeah. to be like conversational oh, yeah. at some point. Yeah. And you're like, you said, even if it's not until taper at yeah. some point, it has to feel easy. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's going to be taper for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has to feel easy. And I think it's important to know, like with marathon pace, like, you know, it's, if you're training at altitude, if you're training in like significant heat and humidity like you are Austin and then you're going to an environment that should be different it's mm-hmm. gonna feel different so I typically wear like older alpha flies on my workouts just to try and help get my body to simulate what sea level is going to feel like because it's just so hard at altitude to be able to feel it and to understand it um so marathon pace definitely gets to feel super easy while you're in training for sure. So we have a ton of like marathons coming up. If you're in marathon training, if it doesn't feel easy, it should at some point, even if it is in taper. And then on race day, it's a really good gauge of like, know that everyone feels great in the first 10 K everyone, mm. everyone does. And, and no one feels don't, good in the last 10 K, right? Yeah. Don't, don't take how good you feel in the 10K as your marathon pace. Like, it should be a really nice, comfortable, comfortable first 10K. And whatever pace that is, is whatever pace that is. I actually put a reel out on this. This is like a whole side note. We're not even talking about tempo now, but I think it's really important. I put a whole reel out about this, about how, like, 
you can negative split a marathon if you take that first 10K even just a little bit slower. No, not too slow. My target for Chicago last year was the first 10K, 730. And I think the first 10K for me, because the watches were off, which is the thing, if you're running Chicago, the GPS sensors are going to be off. So you need to know your 5K, 10K half marathon splits, write them on your arm, memorize them, do what you need to do to set yourself up for success. My first 10K came in at between 735 and 740. But then at the halfway point, I felt so freaking good, which is what you want to feel like at the halfway point, where then you just let it rip. And your sweet spot is between miles 13 and whenever you start feeling fatigued, which if you've been running 20, 21, 22 miles in training, it's usually wherever that last training run, the longest training run falls. So Austin, if you've done 24, I think you've done 24, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit, not many people do 24. Um, That's probably where it's going to hit for you at Indy. And then you're going to have to really start working to hold and I ended up running in Chicago. I started flowing into like 710s, 708s. And then my last mile was a 610 mile. So, I mean, I definitely probably held back a little bit too much. But the goal for that race was to negative split and to finish strong. So I executed that and then also got a PR. And then I figured out like, oh, this is how you negative split a race and it feels good. <laughs> yeah. 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 And Marathon I feel like neg- negative splitting a marathon in terms of like, you know, your, your half marathon, your first half marathon, and then your second half marathon within that, that yeah. race. Like that's always the thing that is, you know, to aspire to. And I feel like every marathon I've run with the exception of New York city, um, I thought I negative split it. And then I looked back and I'm like, Nope, just missed it. Like just barely oh. missed it. Um, even but I think Buffalo was like, even or I just did the math wrong it was pretty close to a negative split but it was it was also like very consistent across the board yeah um you did mention um it just kind of got me thinking you mentioned that my longest run in this prep has been 24 (laughs) and and that might be the point where I run up against the wall I would actually push back against that because the 24 that I had didn't have any paces to it um it was it was just like go run 24 miles essentially and a lot of my quality long runs, uh, this past Sunday was 18. A lot of them to date have been about 20, maybe 22. Yeah. Um, I feel like those are the sessions where you really start to say like, okay, I've had quality, you know, up until the 20th mile, up until the 22nd mile. Like that is now where my body's trained to like be able to push towards. Uh-huh. And, and then once we get to marathon race day, it's like, your body's not used to running this pace now at mile 23, 24, 25. Yeah. Um, Cause for me, it's like, you know, have I run and by quality, I mean like, have I run that pace that I'm training for, or maybe a little bit faster than that pace that I'm training for in the marathon at that specific mile. And there's ways to replicate that too. Um, I think a lot about it, you know, when I'm really fatigued in a track workout or, you know, just some, you know, form of tempo run. When I'm really fatigued, I'm like, okay, maybe this is what mile 24 is going to feel like. So this is your oh. opportunity to like lock into that feeling and, and overcome that feeling and hold pace. So it's like, we're not actually doing it. We're not, I think a lot of people who, you know, when I talk to my parents about running, they're like, so you don't actually run the marathon to train for a marathon. 
And it's like, no, you don't, but you replicate that feeling of mile 24 and 25 in different ways. Yeah. If you're a brand new runner, if you are training for your first marathon cycle or for your first race, you're probably not doing this type of work, but it is something that you can do in future training cycles for sure, because it does take a lot of aerobic capacity. It takes a lot of fitness to be able to run a 20 mile long run with like a progression. It's what I have this weekend. It's like seven easy, seven mod, six at marathon pace. And my legs are going to be tired. I'm running my biggest mileage week this week. So my legs are going to feel really tired. And it's like, how, how am I going to be able to flow through? And how am I going to show up when my legs are tired? And what does marathon pace look like? And what are we going to, you know, create in this run and I think it's a really good thing to note that like anytime I'm on the track or anytime even on the tempo on Saturday for like the last half mile I had to like tell myself and put myself in race mode of like this is how it's going to feel at the last like half mile of Indy or if it's a tough um, workout I might say a 5k or marathon if I'm doing a bookend marathon mile and it just feels really hard it's like putting yourself in that race setting is such a good way to flow through the mindset of when you're running something tough in training, because ultimately when you get to race day, you're going to fall back on what you did in training and how you trained your mind to be able to get through that and to train on tired legs and then ultimately race on tired legs. Cause at some point your legs will start to feel fatigued. It's just a matter of when and, um, you know, hopefully in the half marathon distance, it's not until 11 or later. And then for the marathon, it's, you know, typically however long your long run is in the, the, your mm-hmm. longest long run in the cycle with quality for sure. Yeah. I mean, the mindset piece to tempo running is like the hidden or maybe even not so hidden, especially if you've experienced it quite a bit, like benefit to, um, you know, doing that type of training consistently. It's the part that I, I really struggle with in the, you know, the latter stages of a marathon prep is like physically, I believe in myself at this point, but mentally, like I'm tired, but I have to go into this workout and I have to wrap my mind around the fact that once again, it's going to be hard, but once again, you have to overcome it. You have to push through it. You have to activate those same strategies that you've used in recent weeks once more and it's like you get to the point where you're like I don't want to have to do this again but truly (laughs) you continue to I love the the analogy of like callousing your mind Mm -hmm. um and just like truly making it resilient to that that challenge of of just kind of sitting in that discomfort and that's truly what you know racing a marathon becomes is at some point (laughs) it won't be the first 10k but in that last 10K, like you have to sit in that discomfort. You have to overcome it. Um, you know, the mantras, the whatever you tell yourself, whatever you, wherever your mind goes during that race, it's like you are training that as much as you're training the physiological aspects of your body. Absolutely. And I think it's like there's so many people that go out and just like freaking go out way too hard in the marathon because they think they're going to make up a ton of time in the first half and then they'll like coast in the second. What typically happens is they lose way more time in the second half than they ran in the first half and then they end up with the time that's like 
not even close to what they were looking for, right? Yeah. So my like tip for that is if you start out five to seven seconds slower per mile for a 10K, which is six miles, that might be 30 to 42 seconds slower coming through the first half. But if you mm-hmm. feel strong and you feel good, you can make up that 42 seconds plus some because mm-hmm. you feel good. And how many of us have been in the last 10K of a marathon where it's like the wheels are falling off and it's because we went out too fast or we're not hydrated or fueled well enough? Megan Featherston talked about that on the podcast two weeks ago. Like you're going to blow up and then you're going to lose. I I mean, I've lost like five minutes in a marathon because I've blown Mm -hmm. up. It's like you start to walk, you start to jog. It's like you're losing a minute and a half per mile in the last 10K. It's like it's wild. So that's just kind of like food for thought for anyone who is running a marathon this fall. Um, And hopefully it's something that can help move you into a good space to run a strong and confident marathon. Now, tempo running is very similar to marathon training in terms of the mind. It's mentally fatiguing. How many times have you been in a tempo run? Were you there on Saturday? Well, you're also marathon training Austin. So it's like, it, I get it. Cause I'm also kind of there. It's like, you're going into this hard effort and you really need to be focused. Something I'm mm-hmm. working on a lot this summer, staying focused and present in what I'm actually doing when, yeah. when I'm running and the tempo runs, they're hard, they're stressful. They can be stressful. You get to recover really hard from them, but they're also very mentally fatiguing. So ultimately it's really nice you know, some athletes do them once a week. I think once a week is a bit aggressive. I really like the every other week or maybe one on a workout Tuesday, Wednesday, one kind of in the long run at some point, um, kind of depending on what the athlete's training for and what they're doing. And if they can have two a month, I think that's a great place to be. And it's something that you get to build into too. Like I mentioned I did a six mile tempo run, tempo run on Saturday in Austin. You did five, three, one. Yeah. Which is, that's a lot too. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Broken up by recovery. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So yeah. Austin's tempo was broken up with a little bit of recovery, which makes it a little bit easier to flow through to some extent because you do get about a 90 75 second to a 90 second recovery, or maybe it's like an easy mile in between. You Mm -hmm. kind of want the recovery shorter during the tempo efforts, but if it is, you know, it it all depends, right? So Austin's training for the marathon. So like it made sense that he had a longer recovery because he had a long run or it was part of a workout that was long. And that's why it was set up that way. And I had six miles straight through, which is a very long tempo run. I was talking about that with some girls that I trained with on Sunday when we were running. They're like, that's that's a, that's a hearty tempo, right? It's not something that you just jump into as an athlete. So what does it look like when you're introducing yourself to tempo work? It's very short. And what does that look like? It could be three by five minutes, three by four minutes with like two minutes of like standing rest or easy jog recovery between and just testing your body. And then each week or every other week, you just kind of add on a little bit of time and maybe you reduce the number of intervals, right? So like the broken intervals are fewer, but the time is getting a little bit longer. And eventually you're going to build yourself up 
to be in a place where at some point in your training, it could be this cycle, could be a year from now. I can tell you this, a year, um, like a year ago, like at this time last year, I would have never thought I would be running what I'm running now, right? So like, know that it can happen. And in a year from now, you could be doing something much greater, right? It could be two by two miles. It could be a two-mile tempo, a three-mile tempo, a four-mile tempo, five-mile tempo, six miles or 40 minutes is kind of the max in training, right? Um, And then you want to have that short recovery between sets if you are kind of doing that broken tempo. Um, And again, if you're running and training for a marathon, it could look like a mile. So there's a lot of different ways to set it up. And that's why it's awesome to have a coach or to follow a plan because they know ultimately not what's just best for you in terms of what you're training for, but then also like what's going to set you up for success too. Because I'm a really big believer as a coach that like I want to take more recovery for athletes if that means they're going to crush the interval mm-hmm. because crushing intervals turns to confidence and then we can start to pull back on the recovery. Right. And then things start to get a little bit faster and then they have like maybe a longer tempo set or shorter broken uh, recovery set, something like that. So um, just, I think the biggest message is meeting yourself where you're at too. And like adding what you can knowing that, this is the long game. This is the marathon. Training takes so many years to get to a place of where you want to be. And it doesn't happen overnight. And I know a lot of athletes think it does. I know a lot of athletes think one training cycle and they're going to be cute and they have like 30 minutes to take off. Like it doesn't really work that way. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of dedication. Um, and one of the things that I loved Austin posted earlier this week, it was something about training and how like you have to love it or it's mm-hmm. like a nightmare. What was the actual saying? That was my interpretation. I mean, listen, I love it. I love it. And it's still been a nightmare at times. So yeah. that just speaks to the fact that like you better love it or don't do it. I think it's yeah. pretty much what I said. Yeah. Yeah. It, there has to be a deep love and desire or why behind why you're doing mm-hmm. it. And I've seen athletes like, be like, oh, I want to be cute. Okay, great. Why do you want to be cute? Because mm-hmm. some athletes can't do it in the first cycle, right? Or the sub three or whatever it is, right? So the drive mm-hmm. and desire has to be there because you're going to fall down more times than you stand up, especially as you get closer to your true like athletic potential. And really that why of continuing to show up and to prove yourself right and to get it done um, is ultimately going to be like your North Star for sure. Our North Star, yeah, everyone's you, North you Star. Have, you have to allow the results to come as a byproduct of the work. And if you're going to allow that to happen, you have to favor the work over the results. And that is something that's very hard to learn. And I've found myself in a training cycle, putting in the work and realizing that I don't care enough about the work and the results will never trump what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis because the result is only the day that you achieve the result. Like after you've, you've got that dopamine hit of like, I just crossed the finish line. I just 
hit my goal time that I've been working to for months. Like once that's happened, you're already thinking about the next thing. So you better truly love what you're doing every single day in order to get there. Like it sounds very cliche to say like favor the journey and all these things. But at the end of the day, when you are like pushing through a really hard run and you're uncomfortable and I saw someone say something like being a runner is, is never having a Saturday morning. Like you're sacrificing (laughs) your, your time, your energy, you're going to question why you're doing it. And if you don't have an answer, you're not going to keep doing it. I've been in this training cycle for, you know, like three months now, pretty much. And there's been multiple times where I've had to be like, do you want to keep doing it? Do you actually care enough to continue doing this work and continue making these sacrifices? And fortunately, every time that I've asked that hard question, I've had the answer. And it's been, yes, I do want to do this. This is worth it to me because I have a reason to be doing it. And I heard a message that really resonated with me at the beginning of this training cycle has nothing and everything to do with running. And it's that this is what hard feels like. That has been my mantra during every hard interval workout day where I didn't want to wake up and run. Like we can all look at a goal 16, 20 weeks out from achieving that goal and say, yeah, I want to run my marathon in this time. It's going to be hard, but I know I can do it. Well, when you're in it and when it starts to get hard and then you start to doubt yourself, you have to be able to say like, this is what I meant when I said it's going to be hard. This is what hard feels like. And this is what people who achieve their goals do to ultimately like meet that goal and then continue the work because they love it so much. And, you know, I know we've gone in different directions with this conversation, but the, the point of it all is like, Tempo running is hard. Running is hard, period. But you do it for a reason. And if you're going to do it for a reason, you have to be willing to ask the right questions and have the answers to those questions to understand why you're showing up for yourself every day. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, it gets to be when you decide on a goal too for a goal race, like you get to meet yourself where you're at and know where your current fitness is, where you want to go and how to bridge that gap in training. So there isn't this, you know, so you have confidence throughout the training cycle that you're able to do it. I think the summer humbles many of us. (laughs) We feel like we can't do anything. And then like we get a hint of fall or we kind of hit taper And then we feel a lot more confident about what we're able to do. And I think the tempo run can kind of resemble that too of like, you might start out, it might feel hard. It felt hard during my like first mile. And then it started to get a little bit easier. Or you might start out at three by five minutes and feel like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. How am I going to do this for eight minutes next week? And then you find a way to make it happen and you are able to flow through it. And I think that's one of the coolest pieces to training is seeing that progress and seeing, you know, times get faster or effort feeling easier or, you know, racing stronger, but ultimately, you know, running is so cumulative. We talked about this earlier, like think of how much progress you've made Austin and to everyone listening, like over the last three months in training or the last four months. And then think about if you were to apply that, 
over the next two years where you would be. Mm -hmm. It's like wild. You can do anything you set your mind to. So remember yeah. that and when it, you hard time sesh. It <laughs> happens without us even realizing it. Like we we yeah. really feel those moments moments that it's hard. But then like two years later, after we've done that hard work for two years with consistency and it's all compounded to this point where we look back and we almost like ask the question of how did I do that well you did it because you continued to push through when it got hard you continued to show up yeah. for yourself and it's like that is such a point of pride and you're allowed to be proud of that that's another message yeah. I've had with myself is like how do you want to feel when you get to Indianapolis and you're two days one day out you're at the start line of that race like you want to look back on this training cycle and you want to know that you did not compromise at any point. You did all of the work and it's put you here. And th that feeling, it brings you such peace because no longer are you consumed by the result, by the time that you're going to cross the finish line in. You're just proud of what you've done and nothing can take that away. Even if you have yeah. a really rough day, the weather's not in your favor, nutrition doesn't go well, something just falls apart you still look back at all of that work that you've put in for months and years. And it's like, that's why you're doing it. You're doing it for yeah. that reason, because it shows you what you're truly capable of. And, and no one race result can ever take that away from you. Yeah. It's like the race day is just one snapshot in, of your fitness. And you just hope that through a taper, which every taper is different, Everyone responds to taper differently for each training cycle, unfortunately. It's not something once you have it dialed in, it works again the next time. That you show up and you feel good. And it's not one of those days where you're like, dang, I just didn't have it today. Um, so it's wild. It's part of, I think, why we train and why we keep going back and why we keep wanting to sign up for races and <laughs> all the things. And it's a fun place to be too at the same time because we can grow so much as a human in the process. Race day is like getting uh, your license picture and, <laughs> and you, you do your hair and you, you go in, you feel, you feel good about yourself, but it's still a toss up. You never know. You might like but it, down. you might not. You're probably stuck oh with it for gosh. a few months though. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. I'm like, I feel like, uh, you know, Indy's going to be a great day for us. I feel it. I can definitely feel it. I and do too. yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I'm a very, uh, I like can feel like just my gut says certain things. Right. And listening mm -hmm. to that more and more. And maybe it's just putting out that like positive energy and the visualization and all of the things but I feel like it's going to be a great day for a lot of people it's going to be a lot of fun and you know those tempo runs definitely helped us get to that point to be able to race strong and confident and be able to kind of flow through that fatigue and the mind when things start to feel a little tough out there mm -hmm. absolutely and this won't be the last last time that we dive deep into this topic there's so many different areas that we can discuss for tempo running or just any of this quality work that we do uh, in order to get faster. So if you listen to this episode, we hope that you gain value, but we also hope that it almost inspired new questions and new things that you're interested in. If it did, reach out to us uh, either through the, you know, the podcast platform that you're listening through 
or through our social medias and uh, definitely ask us those questions because we have plans to have on a lot of knowledgeable guests, have a lot of great discussions in the future um, to dive even deeper into some of these topics because it's it's really what we, we love doing, uh, what we love inspiring you to do, and, and we know how much value there is in it. Sarah, I know you are going to be at the Chicago Marathon. Is that correct? I'm going to be at the Chicago Marathon. I am not running the Chicago right. Marathon. There's a lot of confusion. <laughs> a lot of people think I'm running the marathon. I'm like, no, I am not. Um, do I want to be? Maybe. I don't know. I'm already starting to look at the weather and it's like not great. So um, I will be there this the over race weekend. Um, I'm uh, racing the 5K, which I'm really excited about. And I'm also hosting a shakeout run after the 5K. So if you're there to run the 5K and you're not there to run the marathon, run the 5K and then join us for the shake the shakeout for the marathon team. So it's going to be at Maggie Daly Park, 9 a.m. We're meeting at the tennis courts, two to three miles. Elevate Your Running and Relentless Runners are collabing together. Um, one of my great friends, Marilee in Denver, she is a coach for Relentless Runners. Um, she'll be there. I'll be there. We have combined, I think about close to two dozen athletes racing the next day. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll shake it out. We'll stretch, we'll drill, we'll stride, and then we'll answer any questions that you have about race day. Uh, specifically if the weather is going to be a little bit on the warmer side, we'll definitely talk about that just from a general point of view on how to adjust your training plan and what to, how to hydrate and all those good things. And it's just going to be a fun-filled weekend. I'm so excited to be there. The energy in Chicago is like none other, and I'm really excited to be surrounded by it and to be around good friends, good athletes, and some really stellar elites running this year too. Yeah, that's that's going to be a really exciting race to uh to watch. I know a lot of the elite athletes are kind of using these fall marathons um as opportunities to in a way like tune up for the Olympic trials this February. Um yeah. so you're seeing a lot of them, you know, at a marathon like Chicago where you know, I I would imagine they have different goals, right? Because it's like they're in a certain spot of their training. I think we've probably got uh, one American woman who's going to go for the the record, the American record at least, and then some others who are maybe just viewing it as an opportunity to to tune up. But all of that's really exciting yeah. to to kind of pay attention to for sure. And I wish I could be there, but I'll be watching it on TV. Yeah, it'll be really really exciting, and I think it'll be interesting to see how the elites run because there's only four months between Chicago and the Olympic time trials and. Mm -hmm. For anyone who's run a marathon, I mean, elites are no different. They still need rest and recovery. So it's going to be interesting to see how they race and maybe the importance around the world record over, um, you know, joining the Olympic team, right? And kind mm -hmm. of who favors what side. Um, but it's going to be interesting, no doubt. And it's going to be a fun-filled weekend. So if you're in town, it's open. the shakeout's open to everyone, whether you're running, you're supporting someone running. Um, so it'll be a great time. Absolutely. And another update, we are now taking donations for the podcast. So if you have been listening for potentially 89 episodes <laughs> and you are interested <laughs> yeah. in 
supporting even just a dollar a month or week, whatever you can do. It it definitely helps us out to um, continue elevating the production quality of the podcast and um, just everything that we're doing in terms of trying to bring you the best resources for your training and for your life as a runner. So you can find that uh, that link to donate in the show notes and through the listening platform that you're currently on. And above all else, we just appreciate your support. It's been such a fun 89 episodes. We look forward to approaching that 100th episode soon and hopefully making it a special one, but it doesn't stop there. We're going to continue forward because uh, this podcast has truly been special for us. Um, and also we hope it's been special for you in listening. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for your time this week. We hope you have an awesome day, awesome week and happy running. 